Welcome to What's Up ABQ. This week we're talking about employment with our special guest, whose job is to help others find jobs. And he tells us about the process. I enjoy working with people that I have a relationship with, and I will go the extra mile with that person if that person's willing to go the extra mile with me. So my attitude is I'm just going out there for four hours, five hours a day making friends. That's my goal. In this week's episode, Lindsay and Ryan talk with an Albuquerque recruiter. It's What's Up ABQ. What's up, Albuquerque? This is Lindsay. And this is Ryan. And this is season two of What's Up, ABQ. What's up, Albuquerque? This is Lindsay. And this is Ryan. And today we have... Steve Freeman with Sandia's Executive Search. So explain to us what Sandia Executive Search actually is. What does it do? What do you do? And um, how do you help people find what they're looking for? Well, I'm an executive recruiter. Our company works in uh, basically two markets, uh, commercial construction and commercial banking. Uh, We have about uh, eight executive recruiters in the office. And so some people use the term headhunter. He's using air quotes. (laughs) And so uh, we represent companies to find talent that they're looking for in in the industry. And we work in commercial construction and uh, commercial banking. So do you work here in New Mexico or is it different states? We work here in New Mexico, but we also work outside the states. The territory that I cover is New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Idaho, Oregon, and Washington uh, states. And we basically recruit throughout the country except for the New England states. I know from the past that, you you know, you'd usually go into the office, um, but things are different now. Could you talk a bit about that? Yeah, talk about odd. So our company was on a faux trip to Cabo San Lucas in March when COVID-19 broke out. And we literally got done with our company trip two days before they shut down uh, the border between Mexico and the United States. <laughs> you almost got stuck in Cabo. That does not sound like a problem to me. <laughs> Perpetual <laughs> vacation. Yeah. And so the, the interesting thing is uh, when uh, our governor basically shut down the state uh, at the end of March and had everyone go home, we dispersed home uh, all the recruiters in our company, and I set up my office uh, Uh, my virtual office in one of the rooms in the house. And I've been working there since then, uh, still uh, on the phone, on the internet, talking with people, finding the need in in the market, and then trying to fulfill that need in the market uh, with people in the construction market that I work. So obviously COVID has affected a lot of different markets, but um, specifically talking about construction, how has COVID affected what you do? You're helping people find work. Things are slowing down. Are they slowing down as much as we think they are? What does that look like now versus a few months ago? It has affected the economy uh, in the construction industry. It's been somewhat of a a delayed uh, slowdown because we had all these projects in process. Different states have deemed different industries essential and commercial construction for the most part has been deemed essential Uh, whether it's a a high-rise that's being built or a grade school or a bank or whatever it is and then each state in itself is deemed what is essential 
New Mexico has pretty much left the construction industry as a whole as essential, yet now they need to take measures to have people coming in and do their work with the, the social distancing, the safety protection wear, so on and so forth. So it has affected the industry to a degree. We're starting to see layoffs. We're starting to see projects that were just about to be funded, delayed, and or canceled here in New Mexico and across the country. So we're starting to see the effects of COVID-19 at the uh, at site level, right up to the executive level in the commercial construction industry. So million dollar question that everybody's asking, from what you've seen on trends, is COVID in the beginning, the middle, or the end? I believe that it's somewhere between the beginning and middle. I don't think it's hit the middle yet. It's nowhere near the end for sure. So I would say we're a third of the way into it. So this obviously um, is kind of a trickle down into construction industries and then to what you do, which is helping people find placements and jobs in the construction industry. Are you seeing more people come to you looking for work because they've been laid off or are you seeing less people because there's less hiring going on? I'm going to say yes to both questions. Oh, yeah. So it's been really interesting. Um, One of my markets is Seattle, Washington. Mm -hmm. And when COVID hit there, and that was the real epicenter for a while until New York City took over, uh, that shut that state down hard. Mm -hmm. The government's support to companies and to people have affected who's available in the market and who's not available. Now, the interesting thing, New Mexico, I've had some positions here uh, that I've done searches for in in the past six, uh, five months, six months, that have been very difficult searches to find uh, viable candidates in the market, viable project managers, estimators, superintendents. It's been uh, it's been an interesting market because you would think there would be more people, but there isn't. And there's still a need that needs to be met. So are people relocating to find this work then when they can just because of the situation? It's not necessarily the COVID situation that will be driving people to relocate, although that could be a small percentage. It's more about finding an individual that wants to relocate to another part of the country for a particular reason. I just recently completed a search in Medford, Oregon for a client. That's Southern Oregon, small community that has a construction company there, a client of mine. And I've ended up finding two individuals that had a reason to move to Medford, Oregon. One was an individual who was in Utah that told me in the interview process with him that one of the areas he would love to move to was Medford. He worked there. He has property there. And I said, well, I've got the opportunity for you. Another one is an individual that was in Reno, Nevada, whose son just got a full-ride scholarship to a, for baseball uh, in college to play in Southern Oregon. My client is in Southern Oregon, and he's like thrilled to death that he can be near his son while he plays his college baseball and continue his career. So it's the opportunity how it matches up. So under normal circumstances, what kind of construction work happens in New Mexico? 
it's real broad. The general contractors here in the state, the successful ones, such as Bradbury Stand, James, HB, Klinger, and Wild Construction, uh, some of my clients, they build throughout the whole state. And to be successful in this market, you've got to have a broad spectrum of work capabilities. Most of the work, it really falls into three categories. One is private negotiated work. That would be building hotels, office buildings, retail centers. Then you have the state and municipality builds, which would be construction of schools, government buildings. And then you have the federal market with the federal DOD bases. And that's a different type of build with a different type of company that's going to go after that. So take us through a typical walk in the process. Somebody is fresh out of college or they're looking for a career change. They're looking to work with a recruiter because they're not sure what their next step is. What is that process from start to finish? How does that work? Wow, interesting question. So if I come across a candidate, typically it's um, one of three ways that I'll come across a candidate. One, it would be a referral from someone that I already know and we connected and the person's interested in making a change. It could be, uh, you know, we do postings, we do ads, all different things. So it goes like this. It's finding out the person and what where they are in their career and what's motivating them to make a change to wherever, whether it's within a market or relocating to another another state or another city. As you know, we moved from Oregon to here through a recruiter to advance the career that I had at, at the time. So that's the motivation. Once you understand the person's skill sets, their motivation and willingness to work with you as a recruiter, then the first ring of influence for me is going out in to the construction community or to your clients first, the clients you've already established a relationship and uh, working confidentially in the market to present a candidate. Once they've given you their resume, you put together a marketing plan to then to start leaving voicemails, having conversations, email presentations to uh, your clients and potential clients. And then kind of going through that process of matching up their skill sets to the needs of the company and then introducing and scheduling interviews. Once the interviews get going, it's mostly double-checking their skill set. It's chemistry. Will this person fit within our company culture? So on and so forth. And then at the end of it, closing the deal where the candidate and client extend the offer, accept the offer, turn in resignation to the current company, and then helping them on board with the new company. Maybe someone's listening and uh, they are somebody that could be a potential client of yours. Maybe they're they're looking for a job change, a career change, or maybe they're looking for work right now. How do they get in touch, not just with your company, but with you? Okay, so a little terminology. A client would be a construction company. A candidate would be the potential employee or the person who's wanting to move his or her career. So you're talking about a potential candidate, right? And is that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so that's why I just wanted to clarify that. So the candidate could get a hold of me at 505-395-5560. I'll give that number one more time. 395-5560. Or Uh, um, or email me directly at uh, steve first name at hire h i r e s e s 
Com. Uh, from there, we can take a look at their skill sets and talk to them and uh, see what we can do to advance their careers. There's a lot of people I can't help that would, at the end of the day, benefit me and my company, but I'm more than happy to give them direction and opportunity to advance their career. Um, I've known candidates for 15 years in the construction industry. I would probably say 95% of them, I can't help to benefit my client and my companies where I receive a fee for my services. But that doesn't mean I won't uh, help people try to advance their careers because I look at it this way. It's a relationship that I'm building that maybe someday this person's gonna end up being a hiring manager. And my hope and prayer is that he remembers how I handled his or her career and he call he or she calls me back up and say, Steve, thank you for the advice you gave me. I'm now the president of so-and-so, and I'd like to have you help me do some searches. I've actually had that happen with a client in, a candidate in, uh, in Colorado, where one of my hiring managers gave me one of his employees to help move. I didn't get him moved, but about a month later, he called me up and said, Steve, I'm now the hiring manager for a construction company. I need 10 people now. So cleared my desk, placed 10 people, and helped uh, move a company forward. So it uh, sounds like a lot of what you do is people work. Oh, yeah. Without yeah. a doubt, I'm definitely networking with people every single day. Uh, my average time on the phone is somewhere between three to four hours a day that I'm literally on the phone talking to people in New Mexico in other states. What are some pieces of advice when it comes to networking, when it comes to people work? Could you share with somebody? Well, it'd be an advice that my uh, my father gave me when I got into sales uh, back in 1985. He said, Steve, just go out there and make friends. My, my dad was a buyer for a convenience store chain in Oregon called Plaid Pantry. And he told me, he goes, Steve, I enjoy working with people that I have a relationship with. And I will go the extra mile with that person if that person's willing to go the extra mile with me. So my attitude is I'm just going out there for four hours, five hours a day making friends. That's my goal. So um, I did want to ask too, what kind of a person, what characteristics make a good recruiter? Because obviously you've seen people come in the door where you work they try it, it's not for them, or maybe, you know, they give it a go and it's just not something they're, for lack of a better phrase, good at. What makes a good recruiter? What makes a successful recruiter in your industry? You know, that's really interesting. I've been there 15 years. Uh, I'm the longest tenured employee that Sandy Executive Search has. And yeah, I've seen a lot of people come and go. It's an innate ability to understand the need of the client and the need of the candidate and be able to sift through the minutiae to find that person and present it to them. That's really it. It's a, Well, you guys interview, interviewed Luis Hernandez. Great guy. Loved him. He did well in the industry, and he had that personal knack as well. So we are at about our halfway point, so we will take a quick break, and we'll be right back. What's Up ABQ is all about supporting local businesses 
and we're proud to be sponsored by Daisy Sticker Company. Fun stickers and affordable prices. Daisy Sticker Company can put your business, group, or team on a decal, cup, pop socket, and business card. Contact Daisy Sticker on Instagram at Daisy Sticker Co. They'll work with your logo, graphics, or can make a custom design just for you. They even created the What's Up ABQ sticker. Add the promo code PODCAST for 10% off your purchase. Daisy Sticker Company. Cool stickers, cool prices. Contact Daisy Sticker on Instagram at Daisy Sticker Co. Sponsors of What's Up ABQ. And we're back. And today we have with us... Steve Freeman, Sandia's Executive Search. So the other half of this this interview that, that we, we, we really want to see is that we know that, you know, right now we're sitting in a home office. We're not we're not sitting, you know, at a, a traditional business place. We're not in a big building. We're not in a big building. It's not corporate America in we're, here. We're, 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 well, we're sitting in a converted bedroom. And I know for yeah. right, right now, for a lot of people, both in New Mexico and everywhere, this is reality. What has it been like working here versus in an office? Well, it's been interesting shifting from an office where you had other employees around you, your direct report was 10 steps behind you, where you could literally, if you had an issue or a problem, it could be addressed right then and now. And that camaraderie that an office environment brings, having us all go home and work from home because we're deemed not essential, but yet carry well, on. You're essential to people looking for work. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm essential. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a mental adjustment for everyone, yet I'm playing this game in my head at home, making the phone calls that I've got X amount of calls I need to make. I need to connect with X amount of people. I've just got this system that has been ingrained into me over 15 years that allows me to be successful at home as well as in the office. The other challenge that I have is is, uh, my my wife and I are raising our our grandson, Connor, and he's home with me. And that poor kid hasn't realized school's out. (laughs) Don't tell him. <laughs> yeah. So when we when we came home, you know, I, I came home to uh, kind of have oversight of of our child, our ten year old child, and uh, that's been Connor's been great. Uh, my wife has put together school plans uh, for him to do during the day, but I have to oversee it as well as maintain my work environment. It's been a challenge. So I think a lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of people are starting to feel the brunt of the work-life balance because they're being forced to work from home or because they have to. I think a lot of people right now, it's not even necessarily that they they can't go back to their office. It's just that because of school being the way it is, you know, and now it's being pushed back in Albuquerque till the end of September before kids can go back into a physical building. And we'll see when that happens because it could very well be pushed back till Christmas. I'm speaking from a wife of a teacher perspective. So um, I think a lot of people are starting to realize what the new work-life balance sort of looks like, and they're having to integrate home and work in the same place. Do you have any tips for people who are trying to do that? Because there's a lot of people I think that are in that position right now. And it's a unique one. Everybody has different ages of kids. Everybody has different needs, different things they have to get done for their job. What are some tips you can give people that are trying to figure this out? 
Well, first off, I just want to thank Don Ancona, who owns the company that I work for, that will allow me to work from home. It's really important. Here's the thing, though, to be successful at, at a home office environment is routine, and you have to have it. And you almost have to put blinders on. And what I mean by that is you get into the office, you wherever it is, and you just focus on executing what you would do at home or in the office. Although you may be working at the kitchen table and the sink is full of dishes, you have a desire to get that done because it's just sitting there. You got to remember you're at work and those dishes, they'll be there at five o'clock when you check out. Right? They may even pile up some more. But but the other thing, too, is, is that you, you realize that, say, you step into your virtual office at home at 8 o'clock in the morning, I would say strongly to get up and take a walk at 10.30 for 10 minutes. And then at noon, take that hour lunch. 1 o'clock, focus yourself right back into it. At 2.30, Go take that other walk, whatever it is. And at 5 o'clock, call it a day and then go act as if you're leaving the office, whether it's the kitchen table, the living room, the dining room, or a spare bedroom. You just have to put the blinders on and perform. And if you can do that, then you'll be successful at working at home. So I know that routine's been really big. You just went through that. Have you tweaked things with your routine out of necessity because you are at home? You know, I have to remember my routine. The one thing that I've noticed since I've been working at home and being very focused to be driven to be successful is I'm finding that I'm in my little cubicle, the bedroom, office, more. I'm literally sitting more doing the work that I do over the phone and over the internet more than I did when I was at the office office. Because at the office office, you might have need to get up and have a, or want to have a conversation with a, somebody in the office. So you can get up and actually walk to that person's desk 20 steps away or 30 steps away where you don't have that here. You're focused. You're, you're just, you know, you're putting on the face to go do work and you forget to be a little mobile. I have to force myself to 10.30, put the phone down, out the door, go take the walk. It really, that's the mental toughness that you've got to develop to be successful to work from home. So how do you think that this situation with COVID, because obviously it's not going away anytime soon, we all know that. How do you think it will affect New Mexico and more specifically Albuquerque and the construction industry in the next six months? Well, it's going to affect New Mexico construction industry in the fact that we are going to see some projects get pushed or put on hold or delayed in the private market. I've talked to one of my clients, Klinger Construction, the CEO there, and he was sharing with me that although 2021 looks really good for them still. Uh, they, they are forecasting, they can't forecast 2022. Then on the flip side, I've got a client, uh, Wild Construction, I was talking with the owner there, and he said that although, again, different type of funding, it's a federal contractor, he's going, the federal government is slowing down a little bit, and so we're going to see a delay. In the next 90 days to 120 days, for the most part, work is going to be normal. It's going to be that the beginning of 2021 where we're going to see things get a little wonky. 
And do you think that, um, because I know that New Mexico, we kind of operate on a different timeline than a lot of other states. It takes us longer to bounce back from economic hardship. It takes us longer to kind of come into our own with other benefits that other states see because they're bigger and they're moving faster than we are. Do you think that that delay will be magnified because we are unique and we are New Mexico, or do you think it's going to be kind of similar? It, it'll be interesting. Honestly, New Mexico, when the recession of 2008 hit, New Mexico was one of the last states to actually feel the recession because of the amount of support that we get from the federal government, military bases, Los Alamos, Sandia National Lab. I remember hearing I remember hearing that because it was like also because we are such a poor state, we didn't take a hit as hard as everybody else, which I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard that I've heard that said before, like the hit that we took was minimal compared to a lot of other places that really dove down during the recession. That would be a true statement. Arizona was a state that was just going crazy. And when the recession hit, it sunk like nobody's business. It sunk like the Titanic. It just went (laughs) down. It actually took a long time for it to really bounce back up. New Mexico just slowly went down and then slowly climbed its way back up. Was it recession-proof? We did have a recession. Um, This COVID-19 is right now hitting, I believe, the lower-end economic people harder because like the service industry, and I was thinking about this, everything from the the local brew pub, restaurant, uh, retail, but here's a silent part a lot of people don't think about. We've lost, as a country and as a local here, probably about 80% of our airline traffic. Think about the airline steward, stewardess. Think about the pilot. Think about the baggage handling guys. This is an industry that is silently suffering as well. I was just on a plane. I, I I just went to Portland recently, and our first flight that we had booked got canceled because they couldn't fill it up. Yeah, well, I mean, I, and I, even I know down in the South Dallas, and I'm right underneath the flight path for the Sunport, there's uh, 90% of the planes are still not flying. Right. Well, and it's interesting because they rerouted our flight through Seattle because that's how they could book the flight to full. So the original flight we had, we, it was just a straight shot, but they canceled it. So they, we had to reschedule and, and go through Seattle twice, which was not my favorite, but it is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, you can definitely see the impact even at the airport. I mean, everything is quiet there. Everything is shut down. You can get through the Sunport in like 15 minutes through security and to your gate. It's, it's eerie almost. So. so on a slightly different track, a lot of people here in New Mexico are not born and raised they come from different states. Would you say they're transplants? <laughs> well, well what, what, what was it like for you, you know, moving from the Pacific Northwest to the Southwest, to New Mexico, Albuquerque? You've been here a decade more, well, about it, more than that. So We've been here 20 years now. Yeah. We, we moved in 2000, and it was really a two-year plan to be here, maybe three at the most. We thought we'd come down. I came to a, a, a bigger distributor down here to work for, and that didn't happen. Um, And then when the shift did change where I had to find a new career, we'd been here for five years and we were just fortunate enough to get picked up by uh, Sandia Executive Search and continue my career here. Um, I love New Mexico. I will boast about it because we don't have 
horrible traffic like Seattle or Portland or Los Angeles or San Francisco or Phoenix or Dallas or Houston or San Antonio or oh, uh, oh man so we don't have bad commute on a Friday literally if uh, if I do a little pre-planning I can drop the fifth wheel on the back of my truck at five o'clock and be camping in an hour hour and a half or fishing um, we have some of the best elk and deer hunting in the country some of the best fly fishing in the country and uh 300 days of sunshine i don't know portland 300 days of rain albuquerque 300 days of sunshine what are you going to choose yeah <laughs> so kind of to shift gears just a little bit what kind of candidates are you looking for right now Right now, it's interesting. Uh, I've got searches for a corporate safety director for a company. I've got a search for a project manager, a superintendent, and I've got a, a couple searches going on for project engineers. That would be somebody who has a construction management degree, maybe two, three years out of college, and it's across the board uh, from different states. So I've done searches from project engineers, all the way up to vice president of companies. Just for fun, what is the biggest project that you've helped supplied a person for? A company? Yeah. Okay. Well, it would probably be that one company in Colorado where they are an Alaskan 8A company that needed to hire 10 people like right now. It was, oh my goodness, I have these projects and I don't have a project manager. I don't have a, a superintendent and these projects are ongoing right now. So in, in a very short time, we filled 10 positions with that company and helped them. Actually, one of the projects was here in New Mexico out in the Navajo Res where there was a school that needed to get built and they needed to find someone who knew where Cuba, New Mexico was plus 10 miles off into nowhere and I just so happened to knew a gentleman who was in Farmington who had that experience and so I was able to help the, the company uh, solve their hiring problems. Is there a certain state where construction is picking up like crazy? Like it's you're seeing a huge boom, you're seeing a big increase. It's been a maybe like a, a boom rush to build things. Over the past several years, yes, right now there's we're in a weird crux. Right, right. A lot of my searches with clients in the major metros like Denver and Seattle and Portland and Phoenix and some other markets have somewhat cooled off. But it was the right now it's been the smaller markets like Medford and Pendleton and, and Albuquerque. It's Albuquerque is a smaller market that have come up and said, or Colorado Springs, they're like, hey, we're still going and we still need folks. And can you help us find things, uh, find people, whether it's a project manager or estimator or safety guy? Random question, and I don't know if you have the answer for this or not, but I've noticed that downtown, uh, there's been, over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of, like, luxury apartments being built. Do you know anything about that? Lofts? Yeah. Revitalizations? Oh, the lofts and the, yeah, so that has been something that's been ongoing. Um, New Mexico's kind of, Albuquerque's kind of getting into that market. Um, we're always late to the party. And, uh, but yeah, so there You're are. Right on New Mexico time. <laughs> <laughs> Show up to the party just on time. Um, Might so, be manana, but we'll get there. 
<laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, um, Phoenix is still very popular with what's called the podium uh, wrap apartment or condo. Portland's been doing it. Uh, Seattle's been doing it. And these are typically projects that are one to two level of underground parking, first floor retail, and then maybe four to five floors. That's wood structure built. That's apartment complex uh, for people to live in. So the the density into uh, the cities has happened through that market sector. Yeah, we've, we've seen that and, and that's still ongoing. I think we're going to hit a bubble with that pretty soon if uh, because the apartment complex market usually goes through cycles. Anything that gets built goes through cycles, and the apartment complex cycle is at a point where, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna trend down here soon. And what parts of Albuquerque, and like what parts specifically in the city, are you seeing the most growth and building happen? You know, so mixed use—that's what we call it. Mixed use is still an ongoing uh, area of construction. Believe it or not, senior living, assisted living is still a market sector. No, off Paseo, there's tons of buildings yeah. going up for senior living, like up and down the corridor. So. I believe yeah, that. It's yeah. crazy. Well, they're just building my retirement home. Oh, that's <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> those 55-plus communities, you know. Um, so those are still very active. Um, they are profitable projects for the uh, contractor to do. In New Mexico, there's, a, again, uh, it's going to be based on what's going to get funded by the state, county, city, because we rely heavily on federal or state dollars for our construction growth. So, it's coming to that time in the episode. You always sound so foreboding. It is so foreboding. It's a big deal. So, the big question is here, and I think I know the answer, but I want to see. Red or green? Oh, man. I've got some friends who make some killer red, and it's always a treat to have it when it's done homemade style, in New Mexico style. But for me, green chili. That's what I thought. And if you're going to have green chili, not at a relative or friend's house, but maybe out and about, COVID's over, you can go to your favorite restaurant. Where is it? What do you order? Oh, man. Um, I love Sadie's. Uh, that's a great place. I love Sadie's restaurant. Spoken that's a good... Like a true New Mexican. <laughs> And uh, then uh, I've got my favorite, and this is my shout out, my favorite little place we go every Tuesday to help a local economy, local business, Papa Nachos. Oh, yeah. Papa Nachos on Louisiana between Paseo and San, uh, San Antonio. They've got the oh, best shredded beef meal there. Oh, my goodness. It's just perfect. I love it. So what do you what do you order there when you go? Shredded beef enchilada. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And my wife gets a uh, uh, shredded chicken, and Connor gets tacos. There you go. There you go. I think I've, we had their takeout one time, or their catering, and it was really good. Their burritos are huge. Yeah. I remember that. They're, they're massive. <laughs> if nothing else, guys, they have big burritos. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you want, and, and I love it because they're a family business. They they're closed Sunday and Monday, and they're open for lunch through dinner uh, Tuesday through Saturday. And I would tell you, go. To Papa Nachos. There you have it. So you had also mentioned camping. Do you have a favorite New Mexico camping place? Like weather's perfect, not too hot. It's great outside. You're going to go camping for the weekend. Where do you go? 
there's probably three locations that I that I love to go camping in New Mexico. Fenton Lake is a two hour drive away. I love that. I won't tell you the spot spot that I love the most. <laughs> it's secret because it's way in the back and by itself. Uh, then uh, Red River's got a couple great campgrounds I love. Uh, Sipapoo Ski Resort is a place I love, and that's called. I love it because they've got a spot where you can uh, camp and fish. And if you're feeling a little lazy and you want to get a green chili cheeseburger at noon, you just take a quarter mile walk up to the lodge and you're there. Um, and then Rio Dosa, New Mexico. I love that place as well. We just did an interview with Buffett's Candies and we were talking about how they have a location near Rudoso. Yeah. And so that was kind of cool. It's a, the Rudoso connection well, happening. And, and as and you, you wear, wear the, the shirt. Yeah. Shirts, so. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, come retirement time when I when I get done recruiting for my career, that's uh, the area that my wife and I would like right now, God willing, we're looking at. I would like to say one thing. Maybe it's a call to action. I feel like New Mexico needs to take back Rudoso because Texas has sort of taken it we over. We need to reclaim it. We need to reclaim it for New Mexico. So let's just go ahead and put the call out right now, okay? If you're listening, you've heard the call. <laughs> Answer it. <laughs> I just think we surcharge them every time they come across the border, whether they own a cabin the there or not. Tax. Yes. <laughs> surcharge them big time. The, the accent. We, we, we find a couple of words that they can't help but mispronounce. That's how we screen people as they come across. <laughs> Where are you going? Ruidosa. <laughs> and you need to pay me money. <laughs> That's 200 bucks. You can't go past go. Right. <laughs> I love it. All right. So answer the call. I'll reclaim Rudo, so it's a movement now. Oh, there you go. Give me a T-shirt now. Yeah. <laughs> so, is there anything else you want to share about uh, what you do, uh, recruiting, uh, favorite plays in town, tips, pearls of wisdom, any of that? You know, it, it's a it's an interesting industry that I work in because you're you're dealing with people's lives, their careers, helping change their lives. I've had the pleasure to have some comments made back to me. One gentleman who I helped get him a job, he told me, Steve, had you not been able to get me that job, I would have lost my house. Wow. It, it, that was back in the 08 uh, era. Or companies that say, Steve, we were so blessed to have you find us the talent, and they just rely on us as, as a business to, to help move their company forward. And I did want to ask, kind of to piggyback on that before we wrap up, is there any advice that you would give to people just coming out of college, maybe that are looking to kind of make their resume presentable to a recruiter, they're kind of looking for their big break, their career, their jobby job, their grown-up job? Um, what is some advice you would give to people coming out of college, maybe, that are looking for a recruiter to help them? Be truthful. Be honest. I can't tell you how many times that uh, I've had people think they can lie to benefit themselves. A recruiter is there to help you and to guide you. And if you've got a good recruiter, they're going to guide you um, in, the, in your career and uh, work with them, not secretly against them. They're there to benefit you. Awesome. And so if people want to utilize your services at Sandia, if they want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Just one more time so they can. Well, again, we're in the commercial construction and commercial banking market. And so if you wanted to get a hold of a, a recruiter in my company, Sandy Executive Search, that I work for, uh, the main number is 505-292-9800. 
and then you can determine which way you're going. If you're a commercial lender or you're a project manager or whatever it is within those two industries, because that's where we focus, um, that would be the main number to start. If you're in commercial construction and in, you're in New Mexico, my number, 505-395-5560, and I can help you out. Great. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. It was a pleasure, Ryan and Lindsay. Thank you. <laughs> What's Up ABQ asks you to show some love and to shop our local businesses, Albuquerque. We're proud to support our friends at Mama Bear Candle Company in Gifts, New Mexico, a local business with local crafts located at the intersection of Candelaria and Eubank in the Scottsdale Village Shopping Center, 3107 Eubank Northeast. Mama Bear Candles and Gifts specializes in locally made products handmade by local artisans. If you love candles, Mama Bear has an incredible selection of scents to fill your home with soothing aromas like coffee house, lavender vanilla, and good old New Mexico pine. Bring your pet while you shop. Open Wednesday through Saturday, 10 to 4 at 3107 Eubank in the Scottsdale Village Shopping Center. You can also order online at mamabearcandlesnm.com and pick up your order at the store. Handcrafted from our home to yours, Mama Bear Candle Company in Gifts, New Mexico is What's Up ABQ. MamaBearCandlesNM.com Thanks for listening to this episode of What's Up ABQ, the podcast about all the great things, people, and places in the Duke City. Every week we introduce you to local businesses and establishments that we hope you'll continue to support during this weird time of social distancing. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, contact us at abqwhatsup at gmail.com or visit whatsupabq.com. What's Up ABQ is part of the Borellus Podcasters Guild and is produced by Ryan Freeman and Lindsay Dominguez with post-production by Paul Nixon at paulnixonvo.com. Support local businesses you hear about on this podcast. Let us know about other ones we should feature and leave us a review on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening to What's Up ABQ and we'll talk to you next week.